So welcome everybody to season two of the Real Life Sports Show. And I'm really excited to say we've got some amazing guests this season. Um, but today uh, we have a footballer, a female footballer. Uh, we have Natasha Dowie with us today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, my, my absolute pleasure. Look, I love it when... Uh, I get people say yes pretty quickly <laughs> to me yeah. um, and are quite giving with their time. So I really appreciate you giving up uh, your time today. Um, it's pretty relaxed conversation, which yeah. I say to everyone, but obviously you're a footballer, you're now playing for Reading. Mm -hmm. um, how's that going? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's going really well. We had a tough start to the season. I was injured when um, I first came. Um, so I wasn't able to play in the first couple of games and we lost our first four games, I think it was, without scoring a goal. So that was tough. But then yeah. as of late, we've been in some really good form. Um, I think we went nine games unbeaten. Um, uh, last couple of games have been tough. Um, we got knocked out of the FA Cup yesterday to West Ham. Yeah. One game, had, had a lot of chances just didn't put them in the back of the net, unfortunately. And then they got one in extra time. Um, so that was tough to take, but that's football, that's sport sometimes. Mm. It can be cruel. But apart from that, no, I'm I'm really happy with, you know, the environment at Reading. I feel like I'm improving as a player. I'm happy with my own individual performances. I've been scoring, which is great, and which is what mm. I love to do. Um, but the team as well, like they're a great bunch of girls. Um, and I think there's more to come from us. Um, I still, we're still signing new players, even in the January transfer window. So I think it's just going to take time for us to all, you know, really kind of click and gel. But it's been a really competitive season so far. And we're in a really good position that if we win our game in hand, I think we can go joint third with United, which probably at the start yeah. of the season, not many people would have thought would have been the case. So, yeah, it's good so far. Oh, brilliant. That's really good. Listen, I, look, you, your career has been amazing. When I did a little bit of research, I mean, obviously I was aware of you. I'm a big fan of women's sport, but the WSL and everything. Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, so apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> Lifelong. Um, but I just, I like it. It always amazes me, actually, when I do this with a lot of people that I have on the show, that there is so much more that they've done that we don't know about. And I think it's probably one of the reasons I, I do the, the show um you've you've played in australia you've played in america i didn't know that i had no clue okay, about that cool. so hopefully we can touch on that in a little yeah, bit definitely. but what i really lo always love to do is just to go back to the beginning mm -hmm. i mean how did you get into football was you were you really sporty as a kid and stuff so i think i was really lucky that um my family um my uncle played professionally um mm. managed in the premier league and so I've got quite a footballing background anyway. Um, yeah. I was the oldest in the family, it's me and my sister. So I think uh, they kind of saw me as, I guess, a bit of the tomboy of the family. So my dad got me into football when I was really, really young, which I'm very thankful for. But when I was younger, girls really weren't playing a lot. We weren't no. allowed to play at school with the boys. So it was kind of really a lot to do with my dad getting me and a couple of my friends outside of football. We used to just have a kickabout in the mm. local park and it kind of developed from there where then I, we kind of started a, a local team up called the Harpen and Colts, uh, played there for a few years. And then that's when I started getting recognized. I think my first club was Watford. And How old were you around that time then? Yeah. So I was Watford. I was about 15 when I moved to Watford. Right. Okay. Um, so I was playing with like women. Um, so obviously that's a big age gap 
Um, but it was great. I had probably two or three years at Watford, then made the move to Fulham under Marianne Spacey, who was, yep. you know, a huge centre forward back in the day. Yeah. Um, played a year there with Fulham, which was a, a good learning curve for me. And then Keith Bonas and Matt Beard um, took me over to Charlton. Um, and that was a brilliant year for me. They they showed a lot of faith in me. I was only 18 at the time, played up front with Eniola Aluko, um, had a great year there, scored a lot of goals, made the FA Cup final against Arsenal, which we lost to, but still at 18 to be playing in the Cup final was pretty cool. Um, and then from there, um, Charlton folded because the men's team got relegated from the mm. Premier League. So I had to find a new club and um, made the move to Everton, which... You know, a lot of people, I, I had the choice really actually to, to go to Arsenal or to Everton. I met up with Vic Akers and he showed me around the training ground um, at London Colney. And it was only 15 minutes from where I lived in Harpenden. But me being me, always wanting to kind of <laughs> play for the underdog team, I guess. Um, I chose the four hour route um, up, <laughs> up the M1 and M6 to Everton. Um, yeah, and had five great years there. Won the FA Cup there with Everton and the League mm -hmm. Cup and... Um, yeah, incredible years there, an incredible team. And then, yeah, then made the move over um, to Liverpool, which was probably two or three of the best years of my career so far. Won the double with Liverpool and being my club as well. And that's where I met my partner. Um, so, you know, we won the league together, which was just incredible. Um, and then, yeah, the kind of journey goes on from there. I then kind of... Yeah, made my move abroad and then have played in six different countries. So it's been a, a bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> Bring my little doggy on. She's yeah, been nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a kid, what, I, I mean, because I've I've had Jess Fishlock on the um, first season of this uh, podcast. Um, we And I remember speaking to her about how difficult it was to play as a kid and, you know, find a club, find games and stuff like that. I mean, I'm way older than you and I, I played football. Uh, it was just, oh, it was horrendous, really. <laughs> we used to play like no kit and eight of us in a car trying to get yeah. to a game. And yeah, the, the, and then the other side don't have enough players. And yeah, you know, I mean, obviously it wasn't to any of the kind of standard that you're playing to or even, you know, when you was a kid, but it, it was a it was a joke, really. And I think a lot of people thought we was a bit of a joke, really. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you, like being that young kid and not many girls playing football? And obviously it was great that your dad really got you into it I guess that was because of his love of the game but yeah what was that like were you playing with the boys initially and stuff like that yeah. um so first of all like I said with my dad uh got me and a couple of my friends and then I remember when I was at school in primary school I vividly remember getting into the school team and playing with the boys and being the only girl and I remember getting player of the match one game and the boys didn't like it and I got presented <laughs> at assembly and you know everyone made a big deal out of it and said oh it's only because I was a girl and I even remember then when I went to secondary school and I was playing in a tournament, a five-a-side tournament, and our team reached the final, and then I wasn't allowed, allowed to play because I was a girl, and just oh, little wow. things like that, that I guess when you're younger, it's almost like, I think it just goes over your head because you're young, you just want to play football, that's all I remember doing is, I just had a ball in my hand all the time, I'd be outside in the front garden or, or on, in the streets, kicking about with my mates and then mum and dad would call me in for dinner then I'd be back out again playing until it was bedtime and that's all I remember doing and I, I always just have such fond memories and it's funny it's only probably then when you look at the situation now so then what we did used to have to do mm. that it really probably does become really apparent actually how crazy it was even with 
me traveling up to Everton, you know, having to do that four hour car journey. I remember I used to leave um, after school. I used to drive up, get up to, I used to meet Emily Westwood at Birmingham, drive the rest away with her. We used to train after all the under sevens and under fives boys had finished at eight o'clock at night. We'd be like the last ones allowed on the pitch um, at the training ground at Everton. And then I think we'd finish at about 10 o'clock and then I'd get home at about 2 a.m. in the morning. So when you think about that, you think that's madness. <laughs> but at the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but at the time it's, it just is the norm because, you know, football is my life and it always has been my life. And I was very fortunate that I had a family that were very supportive. My dad was incredible and my mum. I always feel bad because my mum like, never gets a mention, but she was the one that was cooking and doing... You wouldn't be here without your mum. <laughs> yeah, but dad like, would just take me everywhere. Wouldn't miss a game. Couldn't do enough for me. And um, so, yeah, I think that I probably wouldn't have got to where I was if it wasn't for that support system, for sure. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is. It's crazy now. and But I'm so glad I did go through that period because... I'm not saying the, the the kids coming through now don't appreciate it, but I don't think they just really realise just how lucky they are. You know, I, I look at the training facilities now that we have at Reading and we're at the same training ground as the men and you still mm. have the odd people moaning about, oh, well, why has the men got more of this in the gym? And part of me just thinks, girls, like step by step, I'm yeah. on quality and trying to push the women's game forward, but also... Like I knew, and never. This is the first time I've ever had my kit washed for me, and I'm 33. You know, yeah. like we literally rock up to training. We don't need to do anything but just turn up. You know, yeah. we get a kit done for us, our boots washed for us, our food given to us. Like everything is done for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, thank God, I can appreciate this as much as I can. And every day to me, I'm just like a little school kid. When I turn <laughs> up at the training ground and I see the pitches and the grass pitches, I've never trained on grass before in my life. And wow. I've played in seven different countries. It's always been 4G or half yeah. pitch here and there. And now I'm at the Red, Reading men's training ground, like training next to the, men, the men's team. Paul Lintz comes onto the pitch the other day and works with me 1v1 um, on my movement off the ball. I'm thinking this is Paul Lintz, who's played for Man United, England, Inter Milan. You know, and just things like that, that I think sometimes people just, yeah, it's a, it's a shame that they don't probably realise how lucky Yeah, we live in such a different world now, don't we? When I look at football and the women's game, you know, I just think, God, it, it's, it's, come a, it's come a long way, like you're saying. But some of the youngsters, uh, the young players, yeah, they're not going to appreciate that. They're not going to yeah. have any clue. And I guess it's it's about education. Um, and obviously, you know, for you at Reading, I'm sure you, you you can easily spread and share what it has been like for you over the yeah. years. You know, how long have you been playing? God, you know, yeah. it's, it's a long time, right, since you're a little kid. And it's just, but they don't know any different. But it's it's making them aware that, you yeah. know, to appreciate what they've got. Because for for a lot of people still playing, like yourselves, it hasn't always been like that. And no. it's been a real fight to get to where we are. It's been, certainly, I think, very slow progress and there's still yeah. obviously ways to go, but it's a hell of a long way from where it was. Yes, massively. Yeah, it is. Agree. Yeah. And I look at Kelly, our manager. You know, this season, at the start of the season, we didn't have a sports scientist. So she was our sports scientist at the beginning of the season. And then, you know, our physio last week got COVID. So then Kelly was having to be she actually is a physio as well which is mine she's got so many different degrees <laughs> she's our physio for the Brighton away game and yeah. then you know we lost our general manager halfway through the season so she's having to be that and I just think people just kind of 
turn up to training and it's almost like they don't realize Kelly's like probably working till 11, 12 o'clock at night as a manager, general manager, this and that, doing everything. She's been at Reading for what, 17 years, has seen it from being a player and mm. got the team to where it is now, but not through just like it happening. Yeah. Like day to day, she's fighting to try and make it better. And, you know, we're not a team like a Chelsea and City and Arsenal where they have like staff that can do that. We are probably one of the, the smaller clubs, a men's team that aren't in the Premier League. So mm. really, when you sign up to play for Reading, you know that you're probably going to have to do your job and half of someone else's job to to allow the, cl- the club to survive and to compete at this level. And yeah. I think that's actually what I love. I love that kind of, yeah, not things being given easy to you. I've always been a player that's wanted to, yeah, kind of be the underdog. Yeah, no, it seems like it doing the whole Everton. How long did you do that Everton journey for, by the uh, way? So I was there for five years. But you did it the whole time? Yeah, no. So I had a couple of years where I did it. And then I met Becky, my partner there. And then I ended up moving up to, to Liverpool and living with her. So, yeah, right. yeah. Two years then. Yeah. <laughs> That's still a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, you've done so much and you and you talked really candidly about, you know, you know, your beginning and your time at Reading and stuff. But you have played abroad, which, you know, you've played in Australia, you've played in America. How different did, were those experiences? And also how have they shaped you into the player and the person that you are today? Because I think that's, I think that's, a, is a, it's completely different in the States, right? How they, how they sign players and everything like that, you know, how, how would that shape you and how did that impact you doing those two stints abroad? I think it might be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I've had some stories. So I think when I first moved abroad for the first time, I actually had a little stint in Australia um, yeah. and it changed my life. It was, I I remember getting contacted when I was at Liverpool by Dave Edmondson, who used to coach at Bristol. Mm. Um, And he was like, oh, why do you want to come over to Australia and play um, in the summer here for a couple of months? I didn't even know there was a league in Australia. And I thought, (laughs) oh, that sounds kind of cushy, like basically a summer over in Australia for two or three months. Like, why not? Didn't know what the standard was like or anything. I remember turning up, you know, we, we didn't really have anywhere to get changed. We didn't get kit given to us. I remember we used to fly to games, land, eat our food on the bus, play the game. We used to fly to Perth, which was six hours, pretty much landed. It was so far behind the times, but I was just like, I'm in Australia. This is so cool. Like, it was just like, I was just so excited. I was like a little kid. Um, The girls were amazing. I fell in love with the city, Melbourne. It was, the people were incredible. The club itself, Melbourne Victory, just made me feel at home straight away. And I was hooked. I was like, I need to do this every year. Um, and so basically for those six years that I was playing in Australia, cause it is only a three month season. It goes from like, um, November through till kind of January, February. Yeah. I would find different leagues to try and play in so that it allowed me to then play in Australia. And the only league that really fitted in well with it was America. Um, mm. so luckily for me, Matt Beard, my old Liverpool coach got the job at Boston breakers. So yes. I then moved over to Boston, um, had two years over there and, was a big eye opener for me because at the time, probably the American league was the best in the world. Amer- yeah. The American national team was the best in the world. And the type of player that I am, I'm, I'm a strong player, but I wouldn't exactly say I'm athletic. I'm not quick. Mm. Um, but that is what that league's all about. Basically who's the fastest, who's the fittest, who can run the most. And for me, it was really challenging playing in that kind of uh, style. Um, mm. But also I learned a lot from it. I, I got fitter, I got stronger. 
um, and I learned to kind of adapt and um, yeah my second year I was really happy there Matt wanted to re-sign me for my third year but unfortunately then because of the way the league is over there um, the, the club folded and the, the two chairmen's um, just pulled the plug on Boston Breakers and I got a phone call actually when I was in Australia playing in the off season saying that basically the club's gone bust you don't have a team anymore um, we're going to put all the players into like an, a, a kind of a draft system where all the other teams can pick you and you basically get told where you're going but um, at the time I didn't know this but I didn't get selected at all so I'm like in tears in Australia the other side of the world thinking I haven't got a club to play for. No one wants me. Like, but my agent rang me and said, look, unfortunately with your contract being an international player, having a partner, having your own apartment, no one could afford really to take you up, take your contract. Um, so that's why you didn't get selected. Um, so then I was like, okay, I've got two weeks to try and find a club. <laughs> Otherwise like, you know, and people don't realize like what you go through as a player really, especially when in women's football, you don't really see too many players that sign five, six year contracts. I've always been like on a one year contract. So it's, wow. I, yeah, it's like, there's no real security. Yeah. So my agent rang me and said, look, how's about going to Sweden, Linköping, they're in the Champions League. Uh, they won the league last year in Sweden. They're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League against City. They would really want to sign you. So at the time I had no aspirations to play in Sweden, but really I had no choice. And I thought, okay, do you know what? Why not? Like, yeah, let, let's go for it. So yeah, went to Linköping, had a year in Sweden and loved it. Got to play Champions League against City, got knocked out, but still really cool experience to be playing in that again. Um, loved living in Sweden, the people, the lifestyles, just so clean, so safe. So like the people were just good people. Yeah. Um, and yeah different style of football again playing in the kind of Scandinavian league um, a lot more probably slower tempo than America but more tactical I would say and, and that uh, more technical um, and then then obviously that worked then we're playing in Australia so I went back again in the off season played in Australia then I moved to Norway so yeah, yeah. I don't think I had Norway down on my list. Yeah. So Alarenga <laughs> came in for me in Oslo, um, offered me a really good contract. And I thought I kind of was really enjoying this whole traveling kind of thing now. I, I thought yeah. I'm not gonna settle somewhere unless I really am getting challenged and I'm happy. And even though I really enjoyed my time in Sweden, I thought that I could challenge myself even more. So when Valarenga came in for me and I thought Oslo looked incredible, looked like a beautiful city um they were kind of like a mid-table team at the time but I thought Norway would just be a cool experience to play in that league see what it's about and we actually did really well we ended up finishing second in the league made Champions League uh, made the final which unfortunately because of the Australian League I had to leave um the season early in Norway mm. missed the final because my season in Australia was starting so that was hard as well but no, had a great year in, in uh, Norway, went back to Australia and had my final year in Australia because I'd done um, six years back, back and forth over there, was captain for Melbourne Victory. And I got to the point in my career where I loved Australia so much and I'd even spoken about getting citizenship there with me and my partner because we wanted to live out there. Yeah. But I was kind of at that age where I thought, right, I'm 32, still feel great getting golden boot everywhere I go, scoring goals, but probably still playing um, in my comfort zone a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. I want to go back to kind of Europe and put my kind of face in the shop window again for maybe playing for England again, because I felt as if they weren't really looking at the Swedish and the Norwegian and the Australian leagues as like being like really competitive leagues. Mm-hmm. So then in um, AC Milan came in for me and I thought, wow, that'd be kind of cool. Like to play in Italy, to play for the a club like AC Milan. Um, so yeah, made the move to Italy last year, uh, signed a two year contract there. Um, but unfortunately it was probably one of my toughest years mentally and physically. Uh, I think mentally because of the language barrier, I think I've lived in countries where obviously Norway, Sweden, where they don't speak their first language isn't English, but they've learned it from a young age. So they're pretty fluent in Italy. The girls really didn't speak amazing English, but then also I didn't speak Italian. Yeah. So I found that really hard because I'm a character that I love to communicate. I love to talk. And when I couldn't do that, that was really tough. Um, and then the COVID situation was pretty bad as well. So I couldn't have friends and family coming over to see me. I couldn't travel. Um, mm. So even though we were winning every week and we had a really successful year, we finished second in the league behind Juventus, made the cup final. Um, I think my body and my head was just a bit knackered, to be honest, no. after that year in Italy. And I spoke to the manager and I just said to him, look, I'm not happy here, if I'm being honest. Um, I'm not enjoying my football um, and I don't want to stay for my second year Um, Mm. and to be fair he was great and he said look I want you to be happy so obviously sad to see you leave but also you need to be happy thank you for everything you've done here for us at the club so then I sat down with my agent and spoke about my options like what like what are my options and he actually said that Kelly Chambers had um shown interest in in me a couple of years ago as well but I chose to go to Milan and he said that she's really keen to sign you again so at the time I thought okay Reading um you know I've always been kind of a mid-table team in England Mm. like I'm used to winning like (laughs) is is that going to be hard for me to go to a team that maybe isn't competing for trophies um and Mm. is that kind of that mid-table kind of like not up up where I'm used to being but then I also thought you know what Tash the year that you've just had when you won every game every week, you've been scoring every week, but you haven't been happy. Yeah. You're at that time in your career where I've been very fortunate enough that I've won a lot. You know, I've won the FA cup, the league, you know, I won the league cup, won the league in Australia. So I'm, I don't need, even though I'm a winner, I'm not searching for silverware. So I'd prefer to be happier and be in a healthy and happy environment and maybe not be winning every week. So I sat down with Kelly or didn't sit down, had a Zoom call when I was in Italy with her and loved what she was about, um, felt wanted. Um, I loved her hu- like her humility. Um, the training facility looked incredible, which I think was important for me being at a mature age. Um, <laughs> I needed to be training on grass and playing on in, on a, in a good facility. Um, and she said, look, Tash, like, we want you. Like... I think that was the most important thing for me is that, you know, at 33 years old, a lot of clubs probably wouldn't yeah. sign a 33-year-old, truthfully. I know players are playing now at older ages, but mm. a lot of these managers now want to find the next big up-and-coming star. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like, do you know what, Tash? I don't care how old you are. You're a goal scorer. You've scored mm. goals everywhere you've gone. Like, I don't care if you're 37 here. If you're still doing the business, like, you're going to play for me. And mm. I think that's quite rare. So... That's why I signed because really, yeah, I felt really wanted. And but it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, a lot of the work that I do, 
I mean, I'm a coach, so yeah. I'm a life coach. So I work with sports professionals as well as other people, but yeah. it is all about mindset and yeah. how you feel, you, you know, that happiness within, because without that, like you say, it doesn't matter if you're winning every yeah. week and, you know, winning the trophies and playing with the top clubs, but inwardly, if you don't have that fundamental, those good feelings inside, yeah. you're not good. You know, it just has a knock on effect, doesn't yeah. it? And that, so that's true. testament to that really. Yeah, it is. It's so true. And so, yeah, I think um, obviously made the move here and haven't regressed it at all. It's been great to be back in England. I think I was nervous coming back, to be honest, because I think going away six years ago, having won the league with Liverpool, got golden boot, player of the year, you know, played for England to then go away and then come back. You know, people are going to be looking at me and seeing like, has she improved this and that? And, you know, you try and pretend as if like you're not worried. You do like you have that kind of standards that you set for yourself as a player and, I wanted to kind of show people how I've developed as a person and as a player and coming back with a little bit of a niggly injury was tough at the start. And I still probably, you know, I'm getting to being a hundred percent again, but probably aren't a hundred percent. But I think it's been great that I have been scoring goals. The team's been doing well. I've been getting nominated for player of the months and team. Yeah. Good goal goals. last month. Yeah. Well, really. yeah. <laughs> things like that. I think things like that, even at my age, you know, it, it does go a long way because we're all human and, yeah. you know, sport it's, it is built on confidence. And no matter how much you try and tell yourself I'm the best striker in the league and you try and psych yourself up, it's nice to still know that you are getting recognised and you're appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, in my opinion, the best league in the world. So for me, I'm really proud to have come back and, you know, I can still kick it with, yeah. with the best. So, yeah, no, you definitely can. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I watch a few of the WSL games and the FA Cup and that, and yeah, getting goal of the month last month. It was last month, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was a good, it was a good goal. <laughs> I, I give you that. You still got it. You still got it. Um, I mean, God, phenomenal career to this point and, and played for England a few times. Is it, do you, I mean, because I think, and this is my opinion, I'm going to be really honest here. I think someone of your quality should have played for England way more than you have. Um, is that, do you feel like that? Do you, I mean, maybe you don't feel like you want to be, yeah. you might want to answer my question, but I don't know, just from the outside looking in, the quality that you've got, you know, I've seen you over the years. Um, but for me, I just think, oh, you should have played for England a lot more than you have. Um, no, do you know what? It's, and sometimes it's actually you, um, from what you've just said actually probably means more to me sometimes because I think that um of course I would have loved to have played for England more than what I did do I think I deserve to have yes I do um I definitely do I think with my goal scoring record um and for me it it, I feel as if maybe I should have been given more of a chance you know I I got the odd game here and there but not a consistent run of games where I could really um get into the team um and you know what I think I'm not bitter for whatever reason it's been, whether it's my style of play, you know, I just don't suit the system that they want to play, whatever it is. But yeah, for sure, it's hard to take sometimes because I look at the men's game and, you know, if it was in England, the top English striker in the league would be getting selected for England. And I look at my situation right now, I'm the top English striker with Frank Kirby in the league at the moment. And obviously I'm not getting selected. And you know what? For whatever reason that is, I have to respect that. And, you know, I think I'm old enough now and I've, and I've learned the hard way that, you know, it's one person's opinion and there's nothing I can do about that. You know, mm. I just need to focus on what I'm doing week in, week out at Reading. 
enjoying my football, you know, and I think I look at it as in I've travelled the world and maybe I wouldn't have been able to have played in Australia and all these other countries if I had been playing for England, you know, and having that international commitment. So I always think, Joe, you know what, things happen for a reason and I haven't given up on playing for England. I never will until I hang my boots up. So right, I look at the England squad now and I think, Joe, you know what, there's so many talented players. You know, it's a phenomenal squad and there's still people that are missing out who are brilliant players. But mm. I also feel that the style of player that I am they haven't got someone with my with the way that I play. You know, your Ellen Whites, they're, they're goal scorers, don't get me wrong, but they're not, they don't play with my style. And I think that I could offer a lot to the team, but that hasn't happened um, at the moment. And, and that's something that I'm just going to keep working hard, keep scoring goals and make her life as hard as possible. But <laughs> it's been really nice coming back into England where I'm a little bit more now in the spotlight again. I'm not they can't almost ignore me being in Australia yeah. and Italy or Sweden. And it's you know, when you're up that, there and you're top goal yeah. scorer, like you say, you yeah. can't ignore it. So hopefully, you know, you're going to get, yeah. you're going to be looking yeah. at you. I need to say that though, and it means a lot. And I think no, I'm, I'm honest. It's yeah. called the real life sports yeah, show. So we, yeah. we talk it out as it is, and it's just yeah. look, again, it's just my opinion, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah. You know, but that's my opinion, and I'm I'm pretty confident there's a bunch of people that agree with me. Um, but yeah, I was just interested to to. Yeah. Your, to your viewpoint but like you say you've traveled the world you, you've had a good life you know yeah. um, playing playing in australia and all, all these play norway and <laughs> italy i mean yeah lots of other players haven't done yeah. that but you know it, it kind of is what it is really yeah, isn't it exactly where, where do you see your you know your future i guess would you hope to remain at reading for for see i mean probably yes you're going to say yes but yeah. say in english football I, I mean like you say i think this is the best league in the world as well yeah. You know, where we are now with the WSL and, you know, clubs like Reading, you know, you, the facilities you guys now have got as well. I, I do think it's such a great league. So I'm assuming your aim would be to stay, remain and play yeah. in it. Yeah. So I signed a two year contract. Um, so I'm here for this year and next year. Um, yeah. And, you know, right now with the way things are, you know, obviously it sounds cliche, but I'm very focused on Reading. I'm focused on. First and foremost, you know, having a solid season this year and getting the team as high up as possible um, mm. and individually having a good season um, and then kick on again for next year. You know, hopefully we can, you know, improve and I can improve and, and keep yeah. keep pushing myself. And I think then it comes to the point then where we I have to reassess how am I feeling? You know, do I feel as if I'm improving? Uh, and do I feel as if, you know, I'm happy with, where the club's at, are we challenging for things? Because obviously that's what I want to be doing. You know, I, I want to win more trophies in my career. Mm. And if that's the case, then yeah, for sure. I, I don't I don't have any kind of plans to move on elsewhere. Um, I think I've done a lot of traveling. So probably in the past, I would have probably got, you know, that kind of like itch to travel again. But I think, I think for sure in the future, who knows? Uh, I might travel again when I'm 40. <laughs> keep, keep playing football in the sun somewhere. With yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but right now, no, I definitely am really happy at Reading and, um, yeah, focusing on having two really good years here and then kind of take it from there, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Do you, one thing, obviously, I always like to talk a little bit about mindset and, and the stresses of, you know, professional uh, sport, obviously, because I get talk about it a lot in my day-to-day -day job, but you know, how, how have you found that for yourself? Obviously, there's been stressful time. And th I think this is the thing that people don't see. Obviously, we see, yeah. you know, you coming out on pitch, you know, yeah. women are doing great now. You've got great facilities, you know, getting paid and all of this. Mm -hmm. But the reality is it's not, we, we know 
that it's not um you know it's not all unicorns and rainbows and cherry on top of the cake yeah. how how has it been for you personally out of your career throughout your career sort of dealing with I guess you know the stress of not knowing which club you're going to be going to all of those kind of things and the day-to-day you know work ethic you need to have and the mindset that you need to have how's that been for you yeah I think I think big thing for me and the big safety for me has been my partner for sure um because I played with Becky um at Everton at Liverpool and she played professionally till she was 42 um and played for England and so I think I'm so lucky to have someone in my life day to day that knows what we have to go through because a lot of people that aren't sports people then don't really get it. Um, And if I was on my own, then it'd obviously be very lonely sometimes as well. And I speak to a lot of the international players that are in a team in my team that are on their own. And they say sometimes, you know, they just need someone to speak to and, you know, that kind of, that family member that they just miss and that's hard. And that's where I think I've been so lucky because Becky has pretty much been with me throughout the whole journey, playing with me. And then when obviously she retired, she's been with me, you know, along the way. So when I've gone through the things like, for instance, not getting selected for England, you know, that was tough. My club in America, not knowing if I was going to find a team, you know, just having her there, um, you know, just, you know, just, there kind of makes it easier then for instance even this year probably was one of the toughest signing for Reading coming back to England feeling like I've got a point to prove and Mm. being injured for the first time in my career like I've never missed a game in my life ever Mm. so to come back have all the spotlight on me Reading have signed me you know big signing you know Basically, we've got a small squad at Reading, so it's not like a Chelsea where, you know, if I if a Sam Kerr's injured, they've got a Peniel Harder or a Frank Kirby or, yeah. you know, it's pretty much like I'm really, like, kind of, like, playing every game. Like, they need me every game. Yeah. So I felt guilty that I wasn't able to do that. And it's actually the first time in my career that I actually spoke to a psychologist because... Mm-hmm. I was not struggling. I think I was in a bit of denial. I think I was like, no, I'm fine. It's fine. But probably deep down, didn't realize how much pressure I actually was putting on myself um, Mm. to like play through pain or to kind of get back being fit and worrying about, well, what if I'm not 100%? What will people think of me? And people don't realize that, you know, potentially I'm not 100% and all these things that, and then even my teammates, what do they think? Like if I'm not training and yeah, all these kind of things that you have going on in your head. So like I said, again, having Becky here has been massive for me. And sometimes it's actually hard because it upsets her seeing me, you know, not 100%. And then I feel then guilty that sometimes when you come home and you haven't had a great day at, at football, you kind of take, not take out on them, but they see you upset. And then that's not nice because all she wants is to see me happy and to see me playing and to see me fit and healthy. And she's pretty much put her career on the back burner to allow me to do this, you know, and she's supported me for the last six, seven years. So really I'm kind of like only doing this because she's allowed me to do this and to follow me around the world supporting me. So there's all these things that, yeah, I started, I had this, um, it's called Headspace app on, on my phone and, mm. you know, little things that sometimes you think, oh God, it's a bit cheesy, like picture a light on your like area that you need like helping. And sometimes I'm like, oh God, whatever. Like, <laughs> and like listen to certain music that's meant to like then help your head. And at first I was a bit like, oh, this all sounds like a load of 
crap to be well, honest <laughs> but, <laughs> because you really, yeah, but you don't realize actually until you do it even if it is even if you put the headspace on for 15 minutes and to be honest you're not concentrating your head's away with the fairies but just taking that 15 minutes out yeah like you've done that for yourself and yeah you know, sometimes you need that and you know, I'm a big one now. I'm crap at meditating and I will hold my hands up because <laughs> I do get distracted too easy, but at least I'm actually like trying and I'm trying to take- But, but that's the thing, you see, yeah. people think that, you know, because I do guided meditation, yeah. I do um, guided breath work as well. Yeah. It kind of all comes as a package within the coaching sometimes. But, you know, that's the thing when people think they're rubbish at meditation because yeah. they can't quiet in their mind, but yeah. none of us can. No, and that's yeah. the thing it's, it's the fact that you're doing that you're taking yeah. that time just to focus on yourself just to be with mm -hmm. yourself that that in itself like you say is a great gift to yourself yeah, exactly and I think I think more than anything sometimes people's journeys are really smooth sometimes they're a little bit bumpier I would actually say I've been very very lucky in my career that I would say there's been a lot more highs than there has been lows um been very blessed to have not had many injuries so I then am almost thankful that maybe I have gone through this little tougher period because I tell you what, every time now I go out onto the training pitch and I, I'm able to complete a session or I play a game, you know, mm. you just have a different mindset now walking onto the pitch. And for me, I want to win every game. But also when I lose yesterday against West Ham and we get knocked out of the FA Cup, of course I'm gutted, I'm devastated. But also I'm like, do you know what, Tash? Just be thankful that you're playing. You know, yeah. Paul, Jess Sigsworth done her ACL the other day for Leicester. And I just think yeah. there's a lot more going on in the world, like Ukraine and things like that, that I just think flipping out, like you're just lucky to be playing the game. And I think the older you get as well, you appreciate every day yeah. a bit more because you know that you haven't got 10, 15 years Absolutely. left. Today. You know, I've probably got four or five years left at the top level. So I'm going to flip in, appreciate every single day, like to the max. So, yeah. No, that's great. And I think, I think, you know, it, it, some of it does come with age. You're right. You know, certainly sort of some of the older, older players, you know, I've worked with some professional footballers and they're definitely the older ones are more open to sort of working with someone like me yeah. um, rather than the younger ones. And there is still stigma around all of this yeah. stuff as well, which is a real shame and something I'm really, uh, yeah, doing my bit around to try and make that, you know, change that because yeah. I think some of the younger players would massively be benefit yeah. Um, from it and the only like you know I I very rarely work with one-to-one -one with the younger players mm -hmm. I only ever get to work with them in a group setting when like one of the FAs gets involved or a club and they go right yeah. they give the younger ones some sessions but them individually I think there is this pressure for all athletes it's like well if I'm putting my hand up to say I'm struggling yeah I'm gonna get picked am I gonna get yeah. benched am I you know there is and 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 especially with men sadly um, you know, there comes the banter and the not so nice banter yeah, yeah. Um, that you you know you should be holding it together. When actually, <clears throat> there's no shame in going. Do you know I, what? Feeling pretty shit at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's and we need to be having those kind of conversations a lot more. You know, I, uh, because there's no shame in. I think putting your hand up to say I'm struggling or putting your hand up to say just want to talk to somebody about life really yeah it's yeah. a, a sign that you want to remain strong it's not a sign that you're weak yes. and, um, it's definitely yeah. a message that I think I want to get out there but it's certainly I think it's something that the older players kind of yeah then they get to a point of like actually you know we mature and you realize that actually yeah I need to take care of my mindset my mental well-being is paramount in order to 
you know, get the most out of this game, my career, you know, like you said about the happiness before being yeah. in Milan, it's yeah. like mm, inside, I'm not feeling great. So I don't yeah. give a shit if we win the title because yeah. Yeah. No. I'm not happy here. Yeah. And yeah. So it's finding a ways, ways to make that work really. Um, I'm really conscious of time, probably could talk <laughs> for about another hour. <laughs> <laughs> couple of, couple of things, couple of really quick questions, I guess. Where, where do you see, I guess the future fuse? Hopefully you've got like, you know, a few more years in you, you're yeah. 32, like, you know, you look at the likes of Jess Fishlock and all of those yeah. playing well onto their mid thirties. So there's no reason, like you say, you shouldn't achieve the same. Yeah. Certainly, you know, you doesn't, you haven't got a weak body, have you? Cause yeah, you've no. really suffered with injuries. So, you know, but have you, do you ever have those sorts of like, what will I do after football? Yeah. No, definitely. I'm, I'm well onto that. So at the moment I'm doing my A license. So oh, cool. I'm going to try and get that this year. So I'll have hopefully that completed and done by the time, obviously then I've retired. So that, that is then, an option to go into the coaching side of things Brilliant. whether that's what I want to do or not I'm not sure being a player <laughs> when I see the stresses of day-to-day -day life not too sure if I'm cut out for that so <laughs> it's a good option to have um, and then also really love the tv side of things I've been doing a little bit of work recently with uh, BBC Radio 5 Live yeah. did a bit of work with Fox Sports when I was out in Australia and I love it uh, for me it's the dream job you know you get to watch football and talk about it yeah. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm not shy. I, I do love to talk, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think that's definitely more the kind of avenue that I think I'd like to go down after playing. Um, definitely the media side. And you can see it's become very popular. The likes of Alex Scott, Karen Carney, Farrah Williams. Yeah. A lot we, we're so lucky, right? Don't you yeah. agree? When I look, I was watching, I watched the FA Cup at the weekend and stuff. But I, I, I was reading an article. It might have been about Alex, I think. But um, yeah, we're just so lucky now with the female, um, you know, women, the women that we've got in media now in football, yeah. in all sports, really. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's so refreshing. I, I, I know Sarah Sturk, who does the golf commentary, yeah. and I met yeah. her, we, she's been on the podcast as well. And, you know, we had a really long conversation about women, yeah. in media, not on the podcast, but off the podcast. But yeah, it's just really interesting now to see it coming through. It is yeah. lovely. And, and yeah. the commentary is fucking good. Yes. Not like the, yeah, you really know what we're talking about. about. Yeah, you look at the praise that she got Emma Hayes over, like... She's brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And I think, yeah, so for sure, I, I think I've definitely got a good few years still to play. But then after that, that's the kind of kind of avenues and routes that I would like to go down and make sure I enjoy my brunches and my coffee and, <laughs> and live, live a good life somewhere hot and warm, I think. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it might not be red in then. <laughs> uh, yeah, sadly not, I don't think. Uh, brilliant. It's been so good to talk to you. Really, really good to talk Where to you. Where are you based? I'm based down in Brighton. Oh, okay. So I said, yeah, next time you'd come down, yeah. play, we'll come up and meet you. And, and, yeah, uh, Becky's um, sisters and her partner, they live in Eastbourne. So, yeah, we're down there quite a lot. Down yeah. the road. Yeah, it's oh. lovely down there, nice and quiet. So, yeah, well, no. Eastbourne's quiet. Yeah, uh, Brighton's not so, not, not so quiet. But yeah. um, I do go to the Brighton women's games occasionally, although, okay. especially when Arsenal come. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely yeah. go. And, so, and same with the men. Sometimes I can get a ticket to the men's game. So, yeah, it's um yeah, we're quite lucky with our football down here. And so next time you're down, definitely, we'll yeah. definitely come up and uh and because they play out at Crawley, which is a pain in the ass. I know, yeah, yeah. yeah I hate it. I, it drives me nuts because we're brilliant, yeah. but we play at Crawley. I, I hate know. it. Yeah, madness. They should get yeah. it at the stadium like we do at the Majeski, but yeah, maybe yeah, it's it's we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We're going in the right direction. Definitely. Um 
thing I like to do sometimes at the end of the podcast is ask a few little cheek, rapid cheeky questions. So, okay, so how would you describe yourself in three words? Woo-hoo. Funny, <laughs> caring, yeah. um, and competitive. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. Okay, three favorite foods. Oh, too many to pick from. <laughs> Come on, only okay. three. Okay. Chocolate, definitely. <laughs> um, pizza. Yeah. And or bread, like a nice sourdough bread. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And uh, I guess three favorite songs. Ooh. Are you a music fan? I am a big music fan. Yeah. Um, and do you know what the funny thing is, is I know songs, but I wouldn't like know the words. So <laughs> I love like Head and Heart, is it? Oh. Wait, is that, wait, hang on. Let, let me get my phone. I'll oh, get, get your phone out. Wow, let's get serious. My, I got my Spotify. So this is my like game day. Oh, so okay. I love, I love a bit of. Do you uh, use music to G yourself up to get yeah. you oh, in the zone? Yeah. So I like Level Up at the moment by Kiara. That's yeah. One. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I like um, a bit of uh, Broke Boy. Uh, do you know that one by Malia Savetsky? I think it is. No, I probably not heard it. What else? What else is my go? What's a classic like that you love? Old school. Ah, uh, see, I'm with music. I'm proper old school. Like I love a Luther Vandross. Oh, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> like my dad, my dad and me like soul music. I love Luther. Like, um, yeah, kind of like a. Oh, who else was like a legend back there? Yeah, no, Luther was my favourite. I remember yeah. Luther. Luther Vandross, the best. Yeah. Brilliant. No, I would never have said that about you at the beginning. <laughs> no, I still wouldn't. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm quite, I've got quite an old heart. You've got an old, got an <laughs> old like, soul. My, my perfect night in is a cup of tea, like on the sofa, chilling. Like I'm a bit of a granny, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. There's nothing wrong. With, if it make, brings you joy, it brings you joy, Tash. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll be doing the same in about yeah. two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Probably trying to find some sport to watch, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. So, listen, it's been really, really good to talk to you. No, and thank you. you. No, thank, thank you for you. your um, honesty and sharing. Yeah, your, your thoughts. What do you do day to day? So you're an actual like coach. Yeah, let me, uh, what I'll do is I'll just end yeah. the podcast and yeah. then we'll, we'll yeah. have a little finish. Yeah. Let me just edit this out. It's all right, don't worry. Uh, so thank you so much, Tash, for being on the podcast. Wish you all the best for your future with Reading. Um, hopefully seeing you score more goals and you never know, getting an England shirt on. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much.